how do we still improve? How do we feel like we're improving? How do we, you know, just what can we do to adjust? Improving cardio, flexibility, improving your diet. You wonder why he's so good. Those are so important and you don't need to leave your house to do that. It's all about technique. It's all about discipline. The whole point of jujitsu is being able to adapt. In this episode, we're still trying to figure out uh, how to talk about the comparison. But uh, in my opinion, I, I'll, I'm going to start by sharing a little bit of like my perspective on this particular topic, which is uh, that I'm a big believer that martial arts doesn't really have to be bound by a dojo or a gym or anything like that. Um, another thing that I, I find is that martial artists are everywhere. It's just, but not everyone's a martial artist, including people that train jujitsu, right? And uh, when I met you first, when you came into the gym, you were really talking on some deep topics, right? We just literally, you're, I would say Daniel came into one of our classes, which was a promotion ceremony. And then we, right off the bat, I'm talking some deep shit, you know, love and, and then uh, training and what it takes to get to the next level. So you, you were able to like jump in and get it into that insight. And that's not an everyday occurrence, but I'm sure there were some things that like, um, rang true to you right off the bat when you when I was saying stuff like that, right? Some like typical martial arts topics, right? But in my opinion, and I've been, when I've been the student and I've talked to my coaches from my past, it was all about martial arts and uh, they didn't really, to them, it was very strict. Like martial artists are people who do martial arts. Martial arts is like, uh, it's like judo and jujitsu and all this other stuff. But it's weird when, I know in my personal feeling, when I hear someone that did something incredible that I know takes a lot of work, for instance, uh, uh, you're a lawyer, that's a lot of work. You're a doctor, that's residency, picking your, like, uh, what what part in the medical field you want to, like, delve into, all this stuff. Uh, you, are, you are a chef with formal, like, training. When I heard that, I was like, oh, this guy's a martial artist. He's going to, he's got the mindset and um, and I know that he went through something deep that requires a lot of attention and discipline, which to me is martial arts, bro. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, for sure. And so when I when I when I met you, I was like, damn, I want to know. I, first of all, I want to know your perspective on things. I want to know how you see jujitsu, how that jujitsu can help not only you but through that process, how can it help other people? Uh, I wanted to learn more mm-hmm. about what attracted you to cooking and then the connections between the two, you know what I'm saying? So right up. So the first thing I would, I would like to learn Daniel is uh, what, what is it about jujitsu? How did you first find out about jujitsu? And then as you started researching jujitsu, what, what was the steps maybe physically or mentally that got you to the point of stepping your foot on the mats and then like really being excited about training? Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a sort of a drawn out uh, answer, I, I would say, but I'll try to keep it as simple as possible. When I first learned about jujitsu, uh, so I'm an avid podcast listener. I listen to Jocko podcast quite a bit. Uh, probably there's a lot of listeners out there that, that have heard of it. And a lot of the discussion that they do has jujitsu uh, laced into it. So that was that right off the bat sort of put the put the idea in my head that oh jujitsu is actually uh, you know considered and regarded as one of if not the top 
martial arts form, uh, you know, to learn today. There's so many other aspects to it that, that I think translate into your everyday life, but without getting too uh, in the weeds here, you know, my, my introduction, introduction into jujitsu um, was really first and foremost, finding the right school. Um, I think that was, that was probably the, the number one uh, first step in my head. And it was, it was very similar with finding a culinary school as well when I, when I first went, but uh, Interesting. I knew I was looking for something that was small, that there was going to be sort of that family feel to it, uh, which uh, Bomb cer- uh, certainly has given me. Um, I think, I think for the most part, that was, that was the, the main criteria. Of course, I wanted to make sure I was getting taught the right way and, and yeah. getting taught by somebody that really knew what they were talking about. Uh, so that was step number one. And, and, um, uh, once I found the school, I just, you know, kind of had to, I had to take that next step myself. And that was the same thing with, with my first kitchen job. My first introduction into culinary school was, um, you know, there's this almost sense of really nervous butterflies, uh, in your stomach where you just, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, that you want to pursue this thing or whatever it is. Um, but you run the risk of, um, uh, scrutiny for being bad at it, uh, especially right, right when you're starting out with anything you do, you know, you run that risk. So it's just a matter of, of whether or not, you know, you find it worth it enough to, to make that leap. And that's kind of what I did. Uh, I showed up for my first class and, you know, it was, to me, it was a total roller coaster because I, I was not used to, um, you know, the, the physical demand as well as the mental demand to, to get through it. I remember, I'm sure you remember this too. Like I was giving 110% strength <laughs> effort when I was, when I was first sparring because I didn't want to suck. I didn't want to look mm-hmm. like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could only make it through that first class because I just was so gassed, mm-hmm. completely gassed. So I think, you know, back to the original point, like the biggest lesson I took out of sort of going from idea or desire to, to, to want to learn something to actually going and doing it and um, being consistent with it was that first you need to find the right teacher and the right environment to learn. And the next is, is to just do it. Don't, don't think about it too much. Get out of your own head. Just go do it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because like you talked about the reasons why you want to get into jiu-jitsu. And for me, it, you know, when I first started, I started when I was like 14, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was in an environment where I was getting in a lot of fights and I, I was attracted to jiu-jitsu because at a base level, after enough fights, you start to realize like, uh, taking someone to the floor and hitting them there versus standing on your feet and hitting them there, there's a big difference, right? So experience taught me, I was really young, so I, didn't, I wasn't a master in anything. Like I, I was skateboarding a lot, but uh, no, there was no mentorship. There was no guidance. There was no discipline. It was 100% for fun. When I saw jujitsu, I didn't even see fun. What I saw was like a skill. I wanted to learn this skill, right? And it was the, 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 the want for the skill 
was based out of a of a result of me getting beat up a lot you know like I would fight for fun and I would fight because I had to and I just learned I need to learn how to fight and so what attracted me jiu-jitsu was that but as time went on and as proficiency went on my my wants changed you're not this will happen like for everyone right I would say uh ask, I'll ask any brown belt why did you want to join and then ask them right now like why are you continuing different it's going to be completely different right so oh, for sure to hear your initial so that will change for you over time and mm-hmm. as it should because as you get really good you're gonna um uh change the things that you want but here's the thing i i hear your wants and it sounds like there's something deeper in there right so uh i'm, I'm not too sure about that with you in particular because if it's if it's a uh, discipline or it's not, it's not just discipline. It's not just learning the skill. There's something that gets unlocked um, personally uh, through jujitsu that you're looking for. So I wanted to learn. Uh, can you speak more about that? What, what was it about jujitsu that you thought, Oh, I can unlock some potential or there can be growth in these areas via this. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I like this question a lot and here's, here's why is because it, it, this, directly translates into uh sort of what i want to get out of of life mm. in general uh, uh. and what what i find mental mentally and physically stimulating so if you think about uh jujitsu one i think that the art itself um of of grappling at its nature to me is the most appealing just because um, at least when I first started was because I felt like my body type was well suited for it, uh, which, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's necessarily like it, there's, that's a whole nother conversation. I feel like, right, right. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I've seen guys half my size, just ter- twist me in pretzels. So <laughs> I don't really think anymore body type has much to do with it, but that, that was my initial thought when I, uh, before I really started to actually train. Um, but going back to your question, you know, what, what am I looking to get out of it? And the, the parallel that I draw, um, is if I train myself in a specific discipline that requires me to, to, uh, pay attention to my surroundings, think multiple steps ahead, Mm. um, and really think clearly under pressure. Uh, those are those are some essential skills that I, I you know I've I've found always are rewarding when you nurture them over the years. Um, you know, and cooking is the same way. Yeah, I was about to say you just pointed out three <laughs> things that I know is a if for, maybe like they're even explicit about this is what you need to work on. You know, in a in a in a cooking environment, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I think it's just so valuable too. like, even outside of those, those three core pillars, um, you know, how that translates into your everyday life. So when you're at work, for example, your professional life, you'll, you'll get a lot further if you can think under pressure, if you can think several steps ahead. I mean, those are, those are some key elements to business in itself. Um, I just think they're, they're such valuable things to practice in life. Uh, whatever the the actual discipline or art is behind them, those those elements are 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 critical skills to success in life. That's that's crazy because um, I I just had this image right. So like there you've identified like three different things that um, sort of 
motivated you to pursue? Like, I want these things, but how do I do it? And then you, you've identified jujitsu. But what's interesting is that uh, you went through a cult, you have a culinary background. So like you have like a, a proper cooking training, like coming up, you've worked in various like uh, uh, kitchens, types of kitchens even. And mm -hmm. what's the most interesting part is you're not a cook currently, you know, you transition to tech. And what's awesome about that is that you continue to use what you learned in this life and pushed it forward into this life to make you excel. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you know, I'm sure the current career that you're in is pushing you in various ways, including the ways that you just talked about that you learned through cooking, but you actually now are pursuing that growth, continued growth in those areas through jujitsu. So these very important ideas and goals that you're, you've, you've identified as good and now you're put and it has helped you currently helping you you and then now you're trying to build upon it further build upon that you know what i mean and this is what i mean by there's martial artists everywhere dude like you go from one thing to another but the the lessons continue that's martial arts like I, at the base level people say have asked me what is a martial artist like aren't we all just martial arts we're training martial arts it's like that's not true if you learn a lesson on the mat and you and you forget that lesson when you step off the mat you're not a martial artist, in my opinion. That's just that's just my opinion. I think it's really simple. And so if you can learn something and then parlay that to other areas of your life and you, you're relying on that as a benefit, like you've earned this tool and then you're going to go use that tool now, if that's the case, you're, that's martial arts thinking because there's so many people that learn something and then they compartmentalize it or there's uh, undeniable things that you've learned that you move through the, through the next phases of your life. But I'm a big believer that the reason why these lessons are obvious or not obvious is because we're not being conscious about them. If we, if we focus on being conscious about these lessons, then we can, we can soak up as much as we can and actually try to use mo all that stuff that we learned. You know what I mean? So 100%. I, yeah. So it's really cool to hear uh, the way you're approaching jutsu, but really it's, it's a statement about how you're approaching like your life in general. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that when I first started uh, cooking, it had a, I had a similar sort of feeling initially. Uh, I knew I, I was interested in doing this thing. You know, I cooked at home. My mom taught me cooking when I, when I was growing up, uh, just very, very basic stuff. She, she cooked something different every night. We didn't do takeout really. It was, you know, it was her cooking. We sat down for family meal and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I definitely had interest in that specifically, but going into cooking itself, the actual art and, and profession behind it, I still remember my first kitchen job. When I, uh, when I first got the job, my first day going into the kitchen, my, my mindset was very similar to my first day walking into your studio, which was, wow. uh, you know, I don't know what to expect. I'm nervous. I'm excited. And I'm just going to to learn, 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 learn. Mm. I'm going to soak up as much as possible because, you know, the shit is like crack for me. I love it. It's, it's totally stimulating mentally. Um, I'm, I'm learning a new skill. And over the years, one of the things that, that I'm also drawing a, a direct parallel to is that, I, you know, I thought I was, I was, you know, getting, uh, getting to the point where I 
was uh, was really skilled and 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 then some some other somebody else comes in, you know, somebody that's more experienced comes in and just makes me look like an idiot. Wow, and corrects numbers of different things that I'm doing wrong, and, and this is early on too. And it was totally humbling because here I am thinking that that I'm hot shit because I've learned all these new great skills, but I barely scratched the surface. And that's that's to me, that's where it really was like, okay, it's on. I'm gonna get as good as I possibly can. And I, I'm gonna get better and better and better, not just in refining my knowledge and my um my my general skill level, but having it become instinct. It's so it's so crazy, dude. Like you know, this whole idea—I've uh, never really shared or developed my perspective on what martial arts is. You know, the the whole thing is like it's not bound by anything. And then what you just said is so. Every jujitsu person listening to this podcast would be like, "Oh my god, that's that happened in jujitsu. That happened <laughs> so many, that in a, the, countless times, right? Like jujitsu is really weird because uh, one of the things that you you learn early and will continue to battle is your own ego." And when it comes to your own ego, you think, yeah, I'm, I'm badass. I'm badass. Like I'm, I'm about to, I should get that blue belt, man. I'm, I should get that blue belt. I've been doing this for so long, you know, name someone on the mat that like gives me a hard time. Like, like, let's do it. Like I'm ready for that next belt. And it's like, uh, that attitude right there is the reason why you probably aren't blue belt yet. You know what I mean? Like there are, you got to realize that you really don't know shit. And then the second you sort of employ that idea of, I know shit just that mentality you're you're already doing yourself a disservice because number one you have no idea how big this is number two you're not realizing there's someone walking on the street right now that would run circles around you regarding cooking regarding understanding of food like you know in jiu-jitsu it's like the the depth of knowledge the the timing tricks you know stuff like that there's it it goes multi-dimensions and in cooking too it's like you know um and a story is like, I have, I have like buddies that like to cook and I'll ask them. Cause I personally, my story with cooking is I would, my parents worked all the time. I was home alone with my brother, my brother playing PlayStation and I'm sitting and watching food network since I was a little kid, you know, my, my mom cooked at home <laughs> cooking every day, but I, that was some ethnic shit. That was some <clears throat> Korean stuff. I was like, yo, what's this like casserole? What the hell is that? You know what I mean? So it was constantly <laughs> like learning shit, you know, like learning. And then it, there was this yeah. other component where like, I didn't feel like an American because to me, an American is a person that just, I don't know, like, isn't eating smelly foods and stuff like that. You know, like you're a little kid, you don't know what's going on. So cooking to me was this central component of American culture that I wanted to learn more about. And then I loved food. And so it was this combination, right? And so like food is really, really important to me and cooking. This is how I know that there's a definite connection. You know what I'm saying? So uh, uh, this is, this is really cool to hear like this uh, when it comes to realizing that there's levels to this shit is a whole nother thing. Like I, like I was saying, my, my yep. buddies knows how to cook. They like to cook. What they're really doing, what I realize is we're just copying recipes. We don't really know the theory and the concept of, how this roux even can be velvety or, or this roux being clumpy or, you know what I mean? And yeah. so, yeah, like it's, it's, it's the same thing in jujitsu. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that certainly, <clears throat> um, certainly is a good point regarding the need for some sort of formal education from somebody that actually does know what they're doing. Um, and I say this because 
you know, to, to anyone out there, going back to your point that is sort of questioning, you know, why did I get to this, this blue belt or, or this purple belt? <clears throat> I'm, I'm definitely capable of, of, of being at that level, but at the same time, sort of the, the thought of, oh, I don't know shit. And, um, and, and I'm going to look to people that do to give me feedback goes both ways too because once you get to that level and you yeah. look backwards you immediately can can say oh that's why i didn't get the purple belt or the blue belt and that's you know that was the one thing that i did when i was training other cooks was i remember um you know when i when i had gotten to a a pretty solid level of cooking and and sort of theory mixed with technique there were there were definitely times where I'd have young cooks coming in and thinking that they were hot shit. And I'd come in and I'd correct them and say, Hey, you could do this differently, or you can do that differently. Here's a better way to do it. Some of them would accept the feedback and, and actually make that change. And I'm still a couple of them actually still close friends with today. Cause that's, you know, people that accept feedback, I find are uh, at least gracefully and humbly are, are definitely worth holding on to. But there were, there were guys um, who would come in and, and not, appreciate feedback and they, their ego would get in the way and you know it would it would they would it would get in their way in in terms of progressing to the next level because they couldn't accept feedback humbly i think that's really important to, uh that that's an important distinction to make it doesn't just go you know looking forward to higher ranks but when you get to that higher rank it's about remembering this the perspective of where you were um, so I'm not like, do you have, do you have any, uh, memories of being a white belt and like thinking about a certain, certain way oh in my that God. kind of perspective? Dude, another banger, bro. Like it's, it's awesome to hear <laughs> this because, um, to, so everyone knows like Daniel is, you know, I would say you only, you have a handful, maybe you had a couple weeks before the shutdown, right. Of jujitsu. Is That's that right? Like six to eight. Okay. I think it was All a couple right. of months. Damn, that's, okay, good. Uh, so it's fairly new in the grand scheme of things with mat experience, uh, but the lessons that we learned through the mat, uh, Daniel already has. Like what you just said about having to make sure it's, a, it's a, realizing it's a two-way street and approaching it in a particular way. And th this goes for both people on both sides of that street. You know what I mean? It's so true in jiu-jitsu. Like uh, I, one of the things that I realized early is that a, a lot of coaches forget that they were, they also, not only were they a white belt, but they also had a first day of jujitsu. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know why so many coaches, and you might be able to say this with famous chefs or whatever that you've met in your life, but like, there are guys who are in a leadership position, in a position where people are looking up at them, but they forget that they are exactly the same as the person that's walking into that there for the first, first time, right? And so that, it's a, it's a combination of, like you said, it's a two-way street. It get If you don't have that um, humility on both sides, you're not going to grow or you will grow, but it'll be extremely impeded. And this is why like uh, grace and ego and all that all have an, a play into this. And you know, what's funny, if you start to have 14, like I did yeah, do that and you're going to learn that quickly because you're going to get smashed, but at the same time, you're smashing other people. So it, it takes a while. You're getting the lesson. But unless you're conscious of it, it won't it won't really come into your head until way later in the game.
but what's so cool is like I said, you are a martial artist by having that concept already. You know what I mean? Like that's amazing. Yeah. One other kind of thought that came to my mind too, is that if you go through the process of, of mastering some kind of art just once the lessons that you learn about the, the process behind mastering something are also totally translatable. So that's, that's why I'm able to, to come into jujitsu uh, with almost an, I guess an arty humble perspective. Like I suck. And you know, the, the only way to get better is to, to be consistent, keep showing up every day, even through, like, don't, don't think about the ranks. Don't think about the belts. Think about, you know, remembering where I was on day one and every day, as long as I come out of that, that gym better than I was the, the last time I was there. And I, I had learned something that's a win, you know, that's, that's, that's totally a win. Even if I get my ass kicked, which is going to happen plenty of times in my jujitsu journey, especially, you know, in the near future as a white belt, like I'm, I, I've accepted that. That is what it is. Yeah. But the, the, the process of, of learning itself and knowing that I'm, I'm honing in on the skill of learning how to think under pressure. I'm honing the skill of thinking several steps ahead. Mm. Um, you know, th- those are critical life skills. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's really interesting to hear that. And, you know, I think the most difficult thing for people. So I think about the people listening to this and um, I'm trying to introduce a concept that um, things are tied closer than you realize. It's just, you have to think about it that way or else you won't see it. Uh, in a, uh, in a, people that a lot of people are masters of something, they just don't see themselves as a master of something because they haven't thought about it that way. You know what I mean? Like, uh, there was, there was, when I was in elementary school, there was this old timer on the crosswalk with the vest and he, he had stop sign, you know, he let people, he helped walk kids. Right. He did that every, every fucking day. Right. And yeah. is that a deep skill? It's like, it doesn't need to be deep of a skill to still learn, you know, certain things like, Oh, when a car approaches at this speed, he just sees it like, okay, let me just make sure I'm there. He's invisible. Like there's lessons to be learned every day, interacting with kids and how to, how to be effective communicator with children and takes time and all that. So people, people to the listeners out there, like you guys are masters in something, trust me. Like it might not, you know, um, people have, I've helped people build resumes when I was in college. And, uh, because my, I, when I went to when I went back to school, I was a little bit a couple years older, so I had, a, I had my head on straight, meaning I need a resume because then the whole purpose yeah. of going to school is to get work. And so they would ask me; these students would ask me like, "Hey, how do I build this resume?" And it's like I'm not good at anything, so what do I write? I'm like, "Wow, that's not true. You are really exceptional at something because you have interests. So if you're you are uniquely capable of talking about something deeply that other people are not, that's a skill right there. You know, there's that's number one. Number two is realizing that two different worlds they might be extremely different but you get one place to the other through like a spaceship or whatever you know and that spaceship will will be relevant here to here right so what to me the spaceship is called lessons and you have to extrapolate lessons to understand what you are good at and what what made you that good and what needs what additional work needs to happen and you parlay that to the next phase and then you're going to be able to ap- approach that in not this feeling of, fuck, this is completely no, I'm super scared. You know, I try to find the, I tr- try to find a relevancy in everything so I can continue to use the skills that I've built over time. You know, I think there is such a thing as 
uh, working on your weaknesses, but there's sometimes where you got to just put that to the side and focus on your strengths. But none of those will ever be identified unless you have, if you learn something before through the skills that you've acquired. So um, like in your situation, I don't know if it's as, as conscious as it sounds right now, but you know, the, the lessons you learned in cooking to approaching jujitsu seems very, very closely interlinked. Yeah, they are. <clears throat> you know, I just, I go back to my, my, my early days of cooking too, where let's take the, like knife skills, for example. Yeah. Um, learning how to cut vegetables the right way or protein the right way. And, um, you know, really having that knife be an extension of you, mm. which is, which is the level you need to get at if you're going to work professionally. Um, it, you know, when I first started, uh, with basic knife skills, you know, this was a restaurant that I worked at as a, as a, like a salad and panini cook, um, before I went to culinary school. And, you know, I thought I was getting so good with my knife skills. Um, and I got to culinary school and I was like, okay, cut this in a, a brunoise. I like this carrot in a brunoise. And for anyone out there that doesn't know what a brunoise is, it's basically an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch square or cube. Um, that's tiny. <laughs> um, I mean, we're talking like the size of a BB uh-huh. or like an airsoft pellet. But where what would be a typical a cube. dish? What would be a typical dish that uses a brunoise? A lot of the so a lot of the the classic French recipes um, will have knife cuts like that, and it's really wow. a refined. It's more for presentation, to be honest. Yeah, but you know, point being, yeah, when I first went in to to learn how to cut a brunoise and like I, for the life of me, could not get it perfect. And if you didn't get it perfect, you basically failed the task. Wow. Um, you know, trial by fire in the sense of you think you're good at something, but when you try to get to the next level, you realize that you're not. And um, it's just, it's so critically important to, to think about each each step, like where you started and where you end at the end of that step, like always look, be looking back because that's, that's, what's going to help you get to that next, uh, that next phase. Like you got to remember where you started it's because mm-hmm. it's otherwise you're going to get, you're going to get disgruntled and give up because you're not looking at progress in that way. in that kind of measured way, those, that incremental and, and uh, measured mindset. It's, 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 this is why I, you're further proving to me that cooking is a great example uh, comparable to jujitsu because yeah, like at the, at the most macro level, we're not putting hands on each other and cooking or anything like that. You were we're not choking people out, tapping people out. There is none of that, which is, um, which is, um, uh, unique to jujitsu, but one of, but what it is, is you're just talked about knives, knife skills, right? And knife skills is a component of a, a realistically a small component of all the different components of skill to be a proficient chef, you know, and in jujitsu is the same way. It's an incremental progress, right? So like um, just learning how to shrimp properly and all the different ways to shrimp forward, backward, sideways, upright, like upside down. Like there's so many different ways to move the hip and uh, it takes time you to the point where you should spend time just 
learning the mechanics of the hip, what's possible, practicing and all that as is equivalent of like practicing uh, uh, like breaking down a, a, an onion four different ways or whatever like that. Even though you're not actually making a dish, you're not actually sparring, but you are improving and you almost need to do that to be able to uh, actually execute that final thing. So it's really cool that in cooking, it's so there's so many components. Uh, it's, it's similar to jiu-jitsu. There's a million components. It's just uh, people don't, I don't know if people realize that. It's not just this gross progress. Sometimes to progress overall, you have to take a step back and progress tiny pieces of your game, you know? Yeah. You know, it, you know, what's interesting too, is that uh, one, one thing that you said uh, a, a little bit ago, which was, you know, I bet, I bet some of the the really good chefs out there, they probably don't remember their first day and, and so forth. Um, the, the good chefs that, that don't consistently perform, like they become a quick trend and then, you know, they're done. You're right. But every really good chef, like look at Thomas Keller, for example. Yeah. Um, or, or Jose Andres, any really good chef that's, that's just, you know, built that really built that foundation. They all remember their early days, like Mm. washing dishes, peeling potatoes, peeling carrots, doing one task over and over and over again until they were perfect. They, and they found new ways to be more efficient at it. Um, you know, that, that's, that's what they did. That's, that's how they became uh, masters of their craft was be, was by focusing on the very basics and doing it over and over and over again until they were perfect at it. Not only that, but again, until they found better ways to be doing it more efficient ways like oh how can i how can i do my task in half the time so that i can do something maybe a little bit more creative mm-hmm. um and that that i think that's directly translatable to any to any mastery of any skill martial arts ju, uh jiu co- uh cooking anything mm-hmm. learn the fundamentals first master those fundamentals that's your foundation you can't build a big you know, skyscraper building without a really solid foundation. It's, it's interesting. Like I think about jujitsu and like that definitely me coming up foundations with everything. Nowadays, uh, there's some newer instruction styles that say, why do we need fundamentals? Why don't we just do something more advanced? And then they're just ahead now, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm more of a, I, I, I see both sides. I try to keep an open mind. I see both sides, but you know, the way I came up is like, fundamentals like for instance like uh there are these certain positions in jiu-jitsu that are like new newer specialized positions and uh there's two ways to approach it you either have insanely sick fundamentals to where anything new you might not have been exposed to it but you know you have an idea of how you should navigate and it gets you by and then there's other people that may not have sick fundamentals and they just get creamed by this new position and then what they do is they start finding defenses specifically to that scenario and in my opinion, although they're both effective or can be, I think fundamentals just inherently give you uh, like this bulletproof armor versus a specialized tool, you know? And uh, uh, it's, I, I see that in Thomas Keller, like you're saying, like Jose Andres and stuff like these guys are mm. the creativity. They, they have insane creativity, but their ability to execute is based on their fundamentals and stuff like that. You know, like mm-hmm. I think about, you know, I love. I'm not a chef. I have not have training in that and all that, but I know that there's famous chefs out there. Like for instance, like there's uh, Thomas Keller, 
and he's extremely respected and he could walk down a hall. I saw him, I ran into him in Vegas one time at uh, the, uh, the Venetian, you know, I wanted to go to his restaurant there and he was suited up. He was in the elevator and I just like, oh, fuck. That's Thomas Keller. What's up, boy? What's up, dude? And, he, <laughs> and then he was like, okay, what, what's going on? He had a whole crew of people around him. You know, they're all oh, his man. chefs and stuff. I was like, that's the one. But then there's other people that gain that same type of notoriety, but they did it in a different way. For instance, like uh, I was just trying to think of someone, but like Eddie Huang, he got his real name built off of his Bauhaus in New York. And mm-hmm. he specialized in Bows, right? And, and his creativity is in the world of Bows. And he, I'm, I'm sure he has other restaurants that we just don't know he owns, but, you know, he's not a guy who went through years and decades of building those fundamentals of cooking and you put him in any restaurant environment and he will be able to come up with something like thought provoking and pushing stuff. He, he yeah. built his, his restaurant empire essentially off of his personality and some good eats. And then that's, that's what it is. But Thomas Keller, he's transcended a lot of other high level chefs because he has that wide breadth of and deep knowledge of cooking and all this other stuff yeah three thoughts there first i would have paid good money to be there when you said that to thomas keller yeah, uh, yeah. just to see his reaction <laughs> oh he didn't uh, take it good <laughs> <laughs> two no more talk about bow buns because i have not eaten lunch yet and yeah. <laughs> that sounds fucking amazing i know bows i love bow buns dude but three, and here's like the actual thought that I wanted to get to, which was, uh, you know, going looking at fundamentals. You know, first off, there there's certainly tons of different types of learners out there. Like some people might catch on quicker to the details um, versus other people. But in my experience, I've always found that that developing those fundamentals is, is critical. But the reason I think that's so important is not because your act, your your active mind is using those fundamentals per se. It's because you're doing the fundamentals to the point where it becomes subconscious, where it becomes instinct. Um, that's where you really want to get to so that you're not using brain power trying to figure out how to do something the right way that's, that should mm. be fundamental. Uh, knife skills are, are that way. Uh, you know, cooking meat or, or developing, like training your taste buds to, to, um, to be able to season a dish properly. Those things are fundamental skills that you want to do them so many times that you don't have to use brain power, active brain power to execute on those when you're, when you're in the fire, you know, Hmm. you need to be able to, to use that, that, that sharp detailed component of your mind in those scenarios where fundamentals should just be instinct. And that's why I always uh, try to focus in on the fundamentals first because I need them to become instinct. I need that. Yeah. I need to be able to use my brain to learn other things. You know, I need to, to make some room in, in my uh, internal hard drive up here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, I want to also like add a little bit of a, add the visual of what fundamentals can do for people, which is when I, when I think, I think you you would sort of agree. Let, hear me out here on fundamentals. Is fundamentals is everything. It's so important. But uh, fundamentals and us talking about fundamentals and us uh, saying the importance of fundamentals. Do not get it twisted. Fundamentals is not something that we're not saying. Every movement, everything should look like a fundamental movement or anything like that. You know, I've 
I have done fundamentals since I was little because to to do to make shit work against someone who's bigger, older than you when I was 14, it had to be fundamental shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And even within fundamentals, there's things that I wouldn't uh, agree with or I really love. So fundamentals isn't this catch-all thing that's like, you're going to use all of this, bro. It's, that's not true. And number number and the second part of that is like me, when I think about the way I like to spar with guys, guys that are much lower in experience than me and much, people that are same level or above, fundamentals has a role in this overarching thing of results. And so I've... I've tricked so many lower experienced people by breaking the rules of fundamentals and to be able to get what I want. So fundamentals is important, but don't get it twisted. It's not actual something that you would execute on a daily basis. Like, like um, uh, uh, Thomas Keller is not breaking down vegetables every day. He's just not, he has, he has people in his payroll that does that for him. Thomas Keller is not Un, like moving boxes from the the supplier into the kitchen like he's not doing fundamental stuff like we talked about before in, the, in a sushi chef a sushi master will make his guys build on rice and he'll be doing mm-hmm. that for years and then he can touch the egg and then you know like i dream of sushi yep. <laughs> stuff. but but that dude that master is more about managing people and the fundamentals of the movement that they're doing that he can at mentor them and guide them but he's not actually doing those things so like when it comes to jujitsu i can teach a fundamental technique but i'm taking bits and pieces of it to make it more advanced you know what i'm saying so yeah 100 percent. but that's not to say that you couldn't execute upon the fundamentals if you needed to which you know at, at your level like even if you're not even if you're not focusing on fundamentals every single day you can still have that in your recall and you know you're you're still a master at it because you you took the time to nurture that and uh, until it became instinct yeah absolutely i mean like uh all i'm trying to say is that fun just we're when people talk about fundamentals in general i'm just trying to translate what that actually means in a real life situation you know what i mean yeah. like fundamentals gets us somewhere uh but at that moment in time where we were there already we can pick and choose what fundamentals or what not fundamentals to use. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I just want to like decipher that because one of the things that I wanted when I was a yep. white, when, when I was a white belt and I'm hearing purple belts, brown belts, black belts say, Oh bro, focus on the fundamentals. Or they say, Oh, I'm thinking you got to think five steps ahead. Like when I hear those things, I'm taking it literally like, Oh, black belt saying focus on fundamentals. He must do, he must be really sick at fundamentals. He must use fundamentals all the time. There's a, there's a difference between what the, what the black belt is imagining when he says those words versus what a white belt is imagining when, when they hear those words, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'm now wondering though, what if you're, what if the level of what fundamentals is changes or increases as you, as you move yourself up the ranks? Like for example, as a white belt, you know, shrimping, fundamental. But as a black belt, maybe what you would consider fundamentals, maybe something that's totally way too advanced for a white belt, maybe your your level of fundamentals is just different, but you, the fundamentals still exist. They're just at a higher level. I, um, I, com- I completely, you're, you're onto something. That's real because... Mm. Uh, and this is this is required. This is why mentorship and guidance is required. This is why people who do jiu-jitsu without a without a coach is they're in a really rough situation. I'm not saying it's impossible, 
but uh, a mentor helps a lot, especially in cooking. Like you can't have a bunch of dudes who want to cook, let loose in a kitchen and then give them three years and then they're going to be amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like they need mentorship. And so, um, and again, mentorship isn't someone who like calls you up because you missed your class or anything like that. Mentorship is like, if you have a question, you have someone to go to and they can help navigate you through that question, you know? So let me put that into context, like a, a real life scenario. If I was a white belt asking a black belt, hey, what are the fundamentals I need to focus on right now? A black belt will tell the white belt, hey, don't worry about submissions right now. Worry about defense, escaping, fundamental movements. And they're like, all right, fundamental movements. All right, shrimping, forward rolls. Okay, that makes sense. If I was a black belt and I go to my Milton black belt, right? And then I, like we're preparing for, I don't know, like I, he just saw me spar with someone, another black belt. And I did all right. But there were things that he wanted to tell me about, you know? I would go sit with him and he would be like, look, you got to realize you're, you're, you're playing in a different league now. I remember when I was a brown belt, he actually said something like, you know, what's you're on a new, you're on a new level. And then the, the fundamentals of this level is X, Y, and Z. Mm. Right. And then I was like, that's it. Oh shit. Okay. Got you. Cause so fundamentals all the way to Brown. I was like, that's shipping shit. That's fundamentals. I'm, I'm on this below tip, you know, I'm trying to learn this new stuff, 50, 50, all that. And then he says, no, when you go get someone that's, at your level or above, the number one thing you need to realize is uh, it's, it's, it's a slower game. They're, they're, things are more strict now. You have to have more discipline. You, you have to time your things. And you know the idea of there's a beginning and end of a technique. Like I'm in full guard, I want to do scissor sweep. There's a beginning and end, ends and mouth. But he said that like that, that, that's fundamental shit. That's just very simple stuff. But he was like, there's a beginning and end, but doesn't, the, su- the success of the technique doesn't rely on you getting to that end. The, su- the success is what actually happens. So break your mind out of it. That's the fundamental thing you need to know. And I was like, fuck, that's what's up. So as your skill increases, the definition of what fundamental to you will change. And you're 100% right on that. You, you killed it with that one. Yeah, and it's, it, it's, it's kind of interesting too to think about when, let's say you, you're, at a, you're at a specific level. I mean, just like jujitsu, cooking has its own hierarchy of of rank almost. Uh, really, what it is is just demonstrating like the skill level that you've that you've earned. Yeah. At that point, but my my point is is that when you when you graduate to different levels, um, you're not you're not necessarily forgetting the fundamentals from the level before, but you're mm-hmm. basically putting them out of mind mm-hmm. because if let's say I'm, let's say the fundamentals that I learned as a prep cook um, at the very low end of the totem pole, um, let's say I master those fundamentals. Years later, I now become executive chef. Uh, the fundamentals for an executive chef are vastly different. You know, you got things like business to worry about, food cost, yeah, um, all that stuff. Those fundamentals that I learned as a prep cook are still available to me as recall. I don't practice them because I've mastered them and I put them out of mind, but they're there. If I need it, I can pull them out of my, my, my instinct bank if I need to. And that's, that's a really key point to mastering anything, let alone, uh, you know, martial art, jujitsu cooking. Uh, I think that's, that's a key element of the process of mastery itself. 
That's interesting. That is really interesting. You actually like uh, I put myself in the position of the jujitsu guy, and mm-hmm. like um, you know, as you increase your skill level, you're also in different positions, and not only forget the actually just forget the position. As you increase in skill level and experience, you start to focus on different things, right? Mm-hmm. And your new focus, there are fundamentals and advanced in, within that focus, and I think that's what we're trying to get at is like. For me, I was just thinking about it. When I was a white belt, I distinctly remember thinking, fuck, what do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do now? What was that? What was that? I was so reactive, right? So to me, fundamentals was putting yourself in positions where you can have a little bit of more breathing room. So for instance, like instead of scrambling with a, another spazzy white belt, I put him in full guard. <laughs> then I think about what to do, right? Like shit like that. But in, yeah. now I think reflect on like the roles that I do with people. It's like, it's not even about what do I do now, what do I do now, because I already have that. So I don't actually think about that anymore. What I think about is who's pushing, who's pulling. It's like it, it's I would have never thought about pushing and pulling as a white belt because I, I just don't know what that means. But as a black belt now, like when I when I'm pushing, I'm talking about who's who's the one on the defensive, who's the one on the offensive. That that to me is a bigger component of me focusing on that will contribute to my success then mm-hmm. how i do that like the how is already thought out like the techniques and all this other stuff the 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 going to this side underhooking this way whatever those are not even in my mind i'm more focused on i need to continue whatever i, I need to pull out something that allow me to continue to push forward and then being on the back step you know what i mean so uh yeah the, the, the perspective is different yeah i mean there's totally there's different layers to fundamentals yeah. and mastery yeah. yeah and uh like i said man i think that's totally translatable to to multiple different facets of life like i, I think that's it that you come into like finance for example i'm sure you went through something similar with finance where you had to actually master the very basic elements of using excel or you know what a pnl sheet is yeah absolutely like uh and then the main thing is like, how do we, the whole purpose of this podcast is just enlightening people that you are probably skilled at something. And then the, you need to be conscious of the lessons you learned there because those lessons can be moved to all their areas of your life. Right. And when it comes to a third area, so we talk about jujitsu, we talk about cooking. And now it's like, for me, my personal career in finance is like, uh, yeah, there was a point in time where I was trying to understand what the hell a function is on Excel. Like, how do I sum? <laughs> how do I sum numbers up, bro? Like, I'm in college, you know. And then now I'm at the point where uh, that those fundamental things are not necessarily something I think about anymore. It's just thinking about right. what is the end result of the of the of the Excel sheet I want to create. What what's the visual? Yep. What's the data? Okay, now I employ all this. Other. I'm not even thinking about the function. I'm just like, okay, that those the uh, the, the size of the cell is a little bit too big. Let me just adjust that. And this is how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And like, yeah, absolutely. That's right. You're you're not even thinking about it. I mean, yeah. like those words specifically that you just said, that's totally the essence of what we're we're talking about here. You're not even thinking about it. Yeah, you know, it's it's so funny because another area is like a few years ago when I was interning at eBay during the summer, um, mm-hmm. I I fell in love with trap shooting. You know, like you go to an open field gun range, you have a shotgun, oh, yeah. and then there's you know. Yeah, we should go sometime. I'm down. They, they shoot clays and stuff. There was a moment in time in that summer where I was so addicted to it, right? Mm-hmm. And what was so interesting is that you you do it and it's fun. Like you can literally be like, here are the safety rules. Just try to hit the motherfuckers. Like, let's, let's do it. And then you might be able to actually hit a few. 
And then as you as you enjoy it and you want to pursue it further and, and get those numbers up, you start looking at YouTube on techniques and you ask your buddies like, how do I hold and what is the appropriate like choke for this rifle uh, for this shotgun and all that. And then you start to realize your 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 numbers start to go down. And then and then as you hone in those fundamentals, the numbers will come back up because now you're actually mm-hmm. building. You're not just employing fundamentals without understanding what they're for. You're employing the fundamentals, and then you're you're past the point of what the being awkward. And now you actually go back up. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? Do you think that's possibly the case with with some people who want to get into jujitsu but maybe have a wrestling background where they have to basically unlearn some of the the fundamentals that they that they learned during wrestling to relearn the jujitsu, the, the fundamentals that are key to jujitsu. I mean, like, I feel like generally speaking, they're, they're both forms of, of grappling, if you will, but the, the set of fundamentals and the rules, the actual art itself, they're very different. So would that be a similar case? Like of what you just talked about, like where, your skill level is going to appear to come down because you're unlearning the wrong, you're unlearning the fundamentals that are no longer useful in this particular task or skill. You're relearning the appropriate ones that are going to help you get further. One million percent, one million percent, <laughs> one million percent. Oh my God. But here's the thing is if that happens, if you're doing it right, yeah. if you're approaching the game correctly, that is how it should go down. Now, let me put it, let me try to full circle this. We talked about how humility and realizing that you're, if you're pursuing, you know, pursuing growth in something is the same as pursuing something new, because every time you grow, it's something new. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're on a different plane. You're on a different perspective. You're on different skills. You're on different people, different tasks, different responsibilities within that task. And so like, uh, uh, so, which is another conversation I would like to have with you, which is learning a lot of different things versus learning really good at one thing. I think that would be a topic that would be really fun to explore. But when it comes to wrestlers, that's what I'm talking about. If you didn't approach wrestling as a martial art and you just talked about like, let's just, you know, I wrestled in high school and one of the, and we were really highly ranked in California. And then the thing that they said was push, explode, fuck your feelings. You know what I mean? Like just fucking get the job done. Right. So yeah. when, it, when we did, when it was season and we're getting ready for state final state nationals or states and nationals, we had, we, there was no thinking. It was just like, yo, if you are not leaving unless you do 500 double legs and like 300 sprawls, like we're, we're just getting those reps in bro. You know what I mean? Yep. There was no real deep thinking in that. Now regarding the question is like, if everything's done right, a wrestler it's going to have success right away because they're employing all the skills that they learned in the past. But here's the thing, long-term there's that, that ego that, and there's a bit of ego in there to expect hundred percent of your skills in wrestling to transfer over to jiu-jitsu. You will have success, which fuels that ego, but don't fall into that novelty because over time you will progress slower than the people that didn't have those skills come into jiu-jitsu. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a has a lot to do with how you're able to actually take the skills that might be valuable from wrestling to jujitsu and bridging, like actually making those connections. If you don't make those connections, you're unlearning everything and relearning everything. But if you're able to take, you know, find the connections between what's useful and what's not as you go, I think I think that's a recipe for success. 
I completely agree with you. And that it takes someone with ego and a, like um, a conscious perspective. You feel me? Like there's so mm-hmm. many people that do jujitsu and they don't even see it as a martial art. They call it a sport. And I'm like, I, I, okay. Yeah. There is a sports side to this It's huge, but you're missing an opportunity to walk away from class with more in your pocket than just calling it a sport. Cause if you call it a sport, you're working hard and you're building up and you're getting better than ever. Like you're beating people that you shouldn't like that, that, but that doesn't mean that like jujitsu is like, you're getting the most out of jujitsu. Like to me, it was, it was always about in, in the beginning it was about, and it, it still is like, I want to improve and I want to, I want to beat people. I shouldn't, but at the same time, like at what cost, you know what I mean? So you have to really approach the game and what you really want in a very conscious way. So you can actually hit those goals, you know? Yeah. And the more I think about it, like those who come in thinking that it's just a sport with any sport, um, you know, while, while you say that, yeah, it is, there is a sport aspect to it. There's competition. You know, I think at least for me, the, the, the more elaborate way to think about it is, you know, with a sport, the destiny you're, you actually reach a destination. You're, you're, you're hitting a point of victory or loss. Like let's say you win state, the state championship in wrestling. And now you're, uh, you know, you could, you feel like you can sit back on your heels, heels a little bit because I'm, I'm the state champion and you know, it fills your ego up a little bit. You, you don't, you feel like you've actually reached the destination, which, you know, for some people could make them feel like they could hit the brakes. But the way that, that I like to think about it, and this is how I think about cooking too, is the, the journey is the destination. Uh, you're, you're not, you're not doing it to, to reach an end goal. You're doing it to continuously improve, learn, better yourself. I think that a lot of people miss that too, uh, with anything is that they'll get to this destination that they've been working towards and then they stop. I think that that certainly goes back to like the episode that you did on why people quit after blue belt. Yeah. Um, you know, once you reach a destination, some people feel like, oh, I don't need to keep going because I've reached this destination. But the journey is the destination. You're, you're, wow. You, you, you hit it on the head there because, you know, in, in that podcast with Rich was trying to figure out what, what his ultimate goal was and uh, without like judging or anything like that, hear him out. And then, because depending on the reason, you can have a good reason or you can have a dumb reason. And like uh, someone who's been there, done that can help you navigate what, what is what. Mm-hmm. And he had, I mean, he had a combination of things. So like I was trying to help him through that, but you're right. Like the truth is um, the actual journey is, is, is it, you know, like for one, but here's the thing. Uh, yeah. It's good to have goals 100%, but also understand that the pursuit of doing something sometimes is just you can just have a great time doing that. Like for instance, if your goal is I want to win the Mundials, like I want to win the world championships. No one's saying that's a dumb, that's a stupid goal. Like go do it. But because like even regular people who don't compete, even if they had that goal, at least they're, they will, the real, the reality of them hitting that goal is, is really tough. So essentially guarantees they're going to be training for a long time. You know what I mean? So as long as you're training, that's good. But here's the thing. Uh, If your goal is to learn, and your goal is to become a better person, you're, you're, 
you're gonna have there's not gonna be have this like oh shit moment of fuck i got my blue belt now what you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the blue belt will come the, like in that podcast i told him like my goal when i started jiu-jitsu was black belt so every time i got a blue belt purple belt brown belt i was like all right next up let's go what's next immediately it wasn't let me savor this oh my god what what happened no it was like all right i expected this let's keep it going and so um but i but now at black belt this is where all the lessons come in. Now at Black Belt, you know, I had this really oh shit moment. It was like, I remember telling a homie was like, I don't know what's going to happen when I get that Black Belt on my waist because I, I've had it as a goal for over a decade. It was like, it took me 14 years to get Black Belt. So it was like, I don't know what happens when I get it. Like, am I just going to lose the love of jujitsu? Yeah. And I had to really like think about that. And then so I, I it's it's worth noting, like, this is, this is what happens. So like, they, depending on the expectation, depending on, what really is important to you, depending on like how you could fit this in your life. There's all these like variables that people need to think about before they just set off a goal in jujitsu. And this goes for the same for everything, right? If your goal, if, you, if your culinary goal was, I want to be Thomas Keller, or it was, I want to graduate that culinary school. The, how you feel after that first event is going to be vastly different depending on those two perspectives. You feel me? Yeah. And, you know, some people do get to a, a higher level and then they do drop out. Um, uh, it certainly happens. But yeah. once you get to that level, like once you've been doing it for so long, I feel like you're, like you said, your mentality around it has changed. You're not necessarily going after a goal. You're do, you're continuing it. You're continuing it because it's a part of you now. Like it's yeah. a, it's a deep enough part of you now that, that it, it's, it's no factor. You're just going to keep doing it to keep learning. But when you're, when you reach that sort of middle level um, and you know, like I, I for one stopped being a professional chef uh, mm-hmm. to get into to tech and other things, but the lessons that I learned from cooking yeah, uh, and learning to become a, a chef to a certain level are I've used for, for years. Like I haven't cooked in a professional kitchen in probably a decade now. Mm. Um but every day I still draw from that experience um, from, you know, a mental capacity standpoint. I, I am remarkably calm under pressure at work. Like if, if somebody is, is grilling me about something, I can, I can keep that, that clear head and, and quiet the monkey mind. So point is like, even if you do stop, like those lessons don't go away. Um, like if you were to stop being a, if you were to quit jujitsu right now, the rest of your life, you'd still be able to draw off of the process of becoming a black belt, the lessons mm-hmm. that you learned and all that. Mm-hmm. Not Absolutely. to say that people should quit jujitsu. They shouldn't. <laughs> no, no. I, and I get it. It's just like, the, I think what's, uh, this is something that I think about all the time regarding like everything I do, which is there's never a black and white answer to it all. You know what I mean? Like what you hear and what you imagine in your own head is, is generally wrong when the first, especially the first time you hear something. Uh, and other times, like, even if you're wrong, it's the right answer at the moment, you know? So it's, it's, it's so complicated when you think about it that way. So um, yeah, it's just, there's, there's a lot going on. It's just when it comes to that perspective of like where your head's at, your goal setting and all that stuff, to me, it's like, as much as I've heard that statement, like the journey is the destination, the journey is the thing. 
I, I, I do a mix of both because I, I am goal-oriented person for sure. Like I see something, I'm like, I want to do that thing, whatever it takes. And I need yeah. that to, to be able to actually execute the steps to get there. But at the same time, I need to, I also have a tendency to get lost in that. And then like the steps is just dominoes that I need to like pull down and I need to just keep it moving. Like I don't put significance on those things, but you know, as a, as instructor, as a teacher now, like I see the, I'm more seeing the power of, Hey bro. Like if someone comes to me, uh, frustrated, it's like, oh, I'm not making the progress that I want to, but I don't even, I, I would ask them what their actual full goal is. And then like, just push yeah. them on that idea. It's like, what is your goal anyway? Like, are you trying to get better? Or are you trying to beat that guy? It's like, what if I told you you could beat that guy without getting better? It's like, no, I, I chose him as a rival because if I could beat him, then that means I'm getting better. It's like, what if I introduce the concept of beating that one guy doesn't mean you're getting better? What if that's the case? And they're like, shit, then I would have to change my goals. And so this is, I run into this all the time, like, especially if, uh, I can speak from my own personal experience and I still make these issues. It's like, I have a goal, but I don't really, I, I need someone there to help me walk through it, to learn, to like sort of A-B test it. Like, let's say you hit that goal and this happens, or let's say you don't hit that goal and this happens, how would you feel? And it's like, damn, you're right. So like, should we reevaluate that goal? And it's like, yeah, we probably should. And so um, yeah. it, it, it gets complicated, but I hope people realize that it gets complicated and that it's just not just black and white. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think setting goals is a really good tactic for, you know, con- the, the continuous process and, and, you know, to reach next levels. But at the end of the day, like you always got to remember your why. Like, why did I start this? Why did I start yeah. doing this? Is that still relevant to me? If not, what's relevant to me now? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think those are important questions that, that everyone should ask when starting a new skill, especially jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Jujitsu to me, like, I don't know. It was, it, my progression was this. It was like, I came in wanting to protect myself, learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. Once I, you start to realize like, for me, I tested what I learned in class. Like I was, I was in a unique environment where I can pick a fight with whoever I wanted. I could literally go to a Seven Eleven, and like just stare at someone, and then it's it's a fight right there. You know what I mean? Like I grew up in Compton, <laughs> so like uh, there's a lot of like I grew up with Latinos and shit, Hispanics, and like pu- full of love, but full of like moxie. You feel me? Like you could look at someone the wrong way, and then they'll stop the car, get out of the car, and we're just, we're we're fighting right there. So. For me, I was in a unique position where as I learned more, I realized the effectiveness you need to win a fight is fairly low and because you don't need a black belt to defend yourself. What you need is nine months of jujitsu and yeah. you should not be scared to walk into anywhere. And the uh, and that nine months, it changes if you're smaller, if you're bigger, if you're male, female, like, you know, it, it, it changes, but it's around that time. You don't even have to get the blue belt to be able to have that confidence, you know what I'm saying? On the street. Totally. Yeah. So what does that mean? It means my goals changed over time. And then for me, like what initially got me in the door is not what kept me in the door. Like those goals change over time. And for me, I was like, once I realized that this is a riddle, a riddle that I, I want to solve because the, 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 the prize at the end was enlightenment was a major game changer for me. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think you actually touched on what uh, one topic that I, uh, I kind of want to do as our next episode, which is yeah. the ability and the confidence to, to uh, you know, handle yourself in a fight. 
uh, if you need to. And that uh, we should bring Etzel on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Etzel has an MMA fight, so <laughs> he he Let's do it. He, he has like professional experience with it. Like, and for me, I've I fought for money before, but it was literally like house parties. People are drinking, and I fought like eight dudes in a in a night, and then I get my rent paid. You know what I mean? Like, I've done shit like that, <laughs> mainly because I knew I could. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, wild. Yeah. So I have uh, we absolutely like we can get into that. Um, I'm down. Like I I wrote it down in our outline here, so we can we can. Yeah. Let's. Go back all right. Well, that's our next episode then. Yeah, like, have you? And uh, just curious, have you gotten to any fights? Not recently. Not recently. All right. <laughs> no, like this is this is like way back post just yeah. post high school. Um, my first go round at college. Um, didn't make it through, but it. Uh, yeah, I've been in a few that were a little good. scrappy and and drunk, fueled like by alcohol. I I yeah. Well, we can save that on another topic. Now, I what I want to do now is. Um, I, I don't know. I just had like literally a handful of like questions, uh, uh, regarding like your past experience as a, as a cook, as a chef and all that stuff. Like I want to ask okay. you a couple questions based on your expertise, which is what is, do you have a favorite restaurant in your past, in your life? Like that you've ever stopped by a favorite one, like without a doubt, so clear in your mind. And if it's not, I want the top two. But if there's one shining light, I want to know what that is. Oh, man. Um, I think it's – so that's – it's like hitting a moving target. Yeah. First off. For sure. Because um, it changes all the time. It depends on, you know, where I'm at in my life, where – what places I actually go to. But I think for me, number one is probably Atelier Kren in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah, I've heard of them. It's 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 amazing. The head chef, Dominique Kren, she um, – I think yeah, she's got three star Michelin stars now. Is the first Amazing. was the first woman to get two Michelin stars in the United States, and now I think is the first to get th- uh, three. But anyway, her it's it's beautiful. So you walk in, there's yeah. no like no decor really. It's very uh, basic but nice. And this is and located in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you get this little piece of paper put in front of you, and it's a poem. Yeah, it's about like tw- like twenty to thirty lines. Each line of the poem describes the dish you're about to get. There's no menu, no nothing, and it's all fixed. You just pay one price, and they just start bringing things out. It's it's a wild experience. It's you know it's it's uh, that reminds me of my first three star Michelin experience was per se in New York. You know Thomas Keller's okay. place, yeah. and you know I lit at the time. It was, I was just visiting New York, and I and I hear about Thomas Keller because French Laundry, in uh in a uh, Yountville, I think is where they're at. They're in the they're in the wine area of Northern California, and and I go to per se, and my number one thing was how much is this, and number two was am I gonna get full? Like the, the, those are like <laughs> my, my two major things, right? And t- Honestly, like I felt like it was great value. Like um, it was an experience that I wouldn't try to do all the time, but like I walked out of there stuffed. You feel me? So for the, for Creme, like I've seen her uh, episode on chef's table and it seems very light and it seems very like, I want to say the word, like it's almost ethereal because the way she like presents the, the, the flavors as a visual, as you read them, and then you go into the food. What was your, yeah. 
what was what was the most mind-blowing thing about that experience uh it's funny you know you go through all these fancy dishes and whatever yeah um the the standout thing were the the fresh brioche buns uh, uh served with with uh beef butter wow and it's just like that's one thing i'll never forget about this place and you're right it's very it's a very ethereal experience every course is is amazing it's ridiculous yeah um and yes you do get full uh, awesome yeah <laughs> at uh, at atelier cran but the uh just the the simplicity and perfection of the roll wow these, these brioche buns these little rolls like the most people think of them as like they're just an afterthought you know you get oh you get bread and butter on the table whatever these were so good uh <laughs> And there were, you can tell that somebody, somebody back there put absolutely everything they had into just for, you know, even though it's super simple, they put everything they had into it and it made it mm. so delicious. That's so funny because you have your experience level, right? And like, um, I know for a fact you enjoy all types of food. It, it, you're not a snob. You're not, you know what I mean? Like you, you we've talked about Korean barbecue and Korean barbecue isn't some exquisite culinary experience is just good flavors and good texture mm -hmm. smells all that stuff and so i know that you appreciate all the all different levels and you have deep skill in cooking more so than the average person definitely but what's funny is you can uh identify the the unique uniquely bomb ass dish as that brioche you know what i mean that's so funny like out of everything that you ate that day you pointed to a bread and i'm like okay that's that's awesome that's like if you ask if i ask that sushi chef that question you know that they're not gonna say oh chutoro duh no they're gonna say dude this particular rice in this prefecture of japan or the way that they you know they they take care of it and the way that that's what i that's my favorite you know what i mean so it's yeah cool. you know so here you know what tamago is the, my favorite yeah the my egg. favorite yeah dude so it's funny some sushi places like uh, i don't remember where i heard this but uh i remember the tamago just being like the, the 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 simplest thing but done to absolute perfection yeah uh at this one place and it, it's weird because you never think like you know, at a sushi place, oh, that's that's going to be the star of the show mm -hmm. when you have all these these great species of fish uh, aged to the the perfect, uh, you know, the the perfect level of umami, and uh, it's it's the tamago, it's the egg yeah. that's the star yes. of the the dish because yeah. it's done so perfectly because the fundamentals are executed upon so perfectly that you can, it just makes all the difference. Like you can tell that it's, it's the best thing on the menu. It's, it's, it's interesting because it's so high level, but they need to have good fundamentals or else they won't. Cause you know, an egg can, there's a, there's a very sharp tip of perfect and then not good or underdone or whatever. Right. So it's like, Oh, I know it's interesting. Cause the first time I ever heard this was the uh, Anthony Bourdain talked about in his show is like, if you, if there's a chef that we want to test, we're going to have him make an omelet. Yep. Like simple as that French omelet, just, I don't even need to talk to you. I just need to see what you can produce. And if you can mm -hmm. do it, we, we trust you. You know what I mean? And it's so funny. French omelet is notoriously difficult to do. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not, it's not like your normal omelet that you would just be cooking on a Saturday morning or whatever. So French omelet, um, you ever had one before? 
I like, don't know if I had like a traditional French omelet. All right. So the French <laughs> omelet is you have the pan on basically low heat and you're just mixing it with the spatula until it starts to curdle a little bit. Yeah. Once it starts to curdle, you turn the heat down and you put your toppings through the center. Usually it's a mixture of herbs and maybe uh, maybe some cheese. type of cheese or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very, very simple. And anyway, at the perfect moment, the bottom layer has now um, has now cooked. It's coagulated. So there's basically a layer on the bottom that's that's coagulated egg. So that 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 flat level, and then you have the top where it's a mixture of like curdle and creamy egg. Like it's not fully cooked. Yeah. And the trick is to get it to that perfect consistency where it's not runny, but it's not totally solid in the center. Mm. Um, and it's all about timing completely hundred yeah. percent about timing. And you basically fold it and roll it right off the pan onto the plate. And the perfect outcome is where it's, you know, it's this really sort of soft, smooth, velvety on the outside and you cut into it and it's just slow ooze of just of like almost egg custard with the, uh, yeah. with the, the toppings. And to, to, it seems super simple, but so many people fuck it up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm certainly one of them. I fucked it up for the longest time before <laughs> I learned how to do it properly. And it, it's a real skill to have. And it's certainly a good test of, you know, whether or not a chef has focused on the fundamentals and eggs are a perfect thing. Cause it, again, eggs are so easy to fuck up. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. You know, um, it's so funny. Cause, uh, I don't know. Eggs is, eggs is just life dog like you know what i mean there's just so much you can do so much with you can go we can i'm sure someone can go like hours into egg and how it's what it's so funny my my story is like my, my name is denny right and then you know the, i always grew up saying uh yeah denny not people say danny is like no denny like the restaurant d-e-n-n-y you know what i mean and uh my i asked my dad is like what's up with denny he's like am i really named after that restaurant like what's good and he's like dude when i first came to america Denny, I, I would work all day and I was hungry and I would, Denny's would be the only one that's open like late. Right. And so what I would do is I would go into a Denny's late at night and the waiter, I knew the waiter, she knew me, everything was good. Like it was like, we would have, I would have conversations. That's how I would, I would build my like vocabulary for English. And one of the ways that I would do it is I would ask them all the different types of ways that you can have egg. And he would ask for that. Right. So he was like, sunny, uh, over easy, over sunny side up, over over medium scrambles, you know, like fried, like he would ask for all this stuff. And he just, that experience helped him like integrate into America and all that. So he was just like, man, I'm gonna give respects to Denny's and then like name you after that <laughs> shit. I'm like, all right, fuck it. <laughs> that, I don't, hey. That's an interesting uh, name. And then the second part of that is I found out there's an extra E at the end of my name. And then I was like, what's up with that? What happened to the Denny store? Is that for real now? Were you fucking with me? And he was like, oh, you were born in Korea. So like, uh, we didn't know how to, like the nurse or something didn't know how to spell your name correct or something like that. I'm like, isn't that something you write? I don't know. I don't know. This. I'm just going to leave it here. Fuck it. The Denny store is a good one. You know, it is good. At least you got a, at least you have a backstory to your name, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So Okay, so we went over your favorite restaurant. We went over that. Okay, so how about this? Is there any, is there any, I don't know how to phrase this, but like there are there are famous chefs out there, 
that have a, a, a consortium of restaurants under their name, whether they're involved in it or not, you know, maybe mm-hmm. by name, by brand or whatever. But is there any chefs out there like that are known in the cooking world that you just think is overrated? Guy Fieri. Interesting. <laughs> Dude, I love Guy because uh, I love his show, but I've never, you know, he has restaurants, Johnny Garlics and stuff. I've never, I don't, I, I would want to eat there as a novelty, as like a curiosity, but you know, I don't know. Like he does a, I'll tell you what, when he eats food, he does a great job breaking it down. One of my biggest pet peeves is people who have eating shows and they can't explain the food. It's like, you can tell they, when, when someone's critiquing food, but you can tell they never cooked. It's like a big pet peeve of mine. Yeah. That's why I like Elton Brown because he actually knows the science and stuff behind it. Probably the most. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, overrated. I'd have to put some thought into that one, but he's definitely the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> you will not catch me at uh, at Flavor Town. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> I, I, his show, Diners, Drivers, is probably my favorite show. I love his show because it's not about him. It's about him um, yeah. giving a, a, a platform for people that deserve it. And hundred percent. There's not a lot of shows out there that do that, and so I appreciate that out of him. And also, I heard that one one like in the past, like there was a kid in his town. So he 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 lives in like um, Northern California somewhere, like Roseville or something like that. There was a kid in his town that climbed his roof, his garage, snuck in and stole his Lamborghini, and like was being chased by cops, right? And then apparently the story goes like that someone close to the situation called Guy, and then got. It was like, there, someone stole your car, your Lambo. And he was like, oh shit, what is this? Like, it's like some 16 year old kid. We don't, it's like the kid from the neighborhood. And he's like, I'll let him drive it. Fuck it. You know what I mean? And then like, uh, I don't know if he, I don't know if he dropped the charge or something, but I was like, that's, that's a, that's a guy who has no ego. He, he knows how to have fun. Fuck that. You that's pretty I mean? cool. Yeah. How about this? Okay. So favorite restaurant, overrated chef. How about, uh, what is an underrated chef that I should, know about but i can post people don't because i you know i'm i'm always looking for people that are extremely talented and like but they a lot of chefs they're either big personality or they're the most low-key you don't even know they cook you know yeah um i'm sure some people probably will recognize his name um but brian voltaggio Mm. he uh he was on top chef uh, a while ago uh, he actually lost to his brother, Michael Voltaggio, who's an LA chef. Oh, but, I think I know this. Um, yeah, Brian, they both actually grew up uh, probably about 30 minutes from where I grew up in Maryland. Uh-huh. Um, but Brian's got a, he's got a restaurant, uh, Volt. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I remember those um, guys on the show. They were so yeah. precise and measured. I remember that. That's right. That's right. So- I mean, if you think about sort of how they how they differ, I mean, Michael, it was definitely more into the um, sort of the, the like the really sort of out there, not necessarily thinking about soul, but more thinking about technique. Whereas Brian, you can tell he's got he's got that sort of like warmth, almost country soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Frederick, where they grew up, uh, is definitely. It's a little bit in the boonies, or at least it used to be when I grew up. I think it's a little bit more uh, densely populated now. But anyway, like the fact that he uses venison, for example, venison is one of my favorite meats ever. Mm. Um, and 
deer, anyone that's from Maryland can tell you like deer around there are like pests. I mean, they, they're, there's so many of them. Right. So to be using, to be using a meat that's, that's locally sourced and, and really sustainable to like what, uh, you know, what applies for that territory, that area, I think it's just, it, it's sort of, you're not thinking just about the food you're thinking about, you know, what your food's impact is outside of the restaurant too. Yeah. Um, which I always look for when I'm, when I'm going to a new restaurant, like, is it just that they have this like crazy technique and there's a lot of hype or is it really well thought out food that also incorporates um, responsible sourcing and, and sort of goes that extra length to make sure that what they're doing uh, sort of comes full circle. I feel that that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it for my questions. Like I was, I just wanted to pick your brain on like food world in general. Cause you know, I am a fan of food. I love food. I love learning who the major players are. You know, I don't know as much because I don't own a TV anymore, but like, uh, uh, or at rather, I don't have cable or anything like that. Um, mm. Food Network was always my like, it was Food Network that was my first plug, being plugged into the whole thing. But then the second was Bravo when they started doing Top Chef. I love that yeah. show so much because they really emphasize the the challenge. You know, there's some stuff that are fabricated. Like I'm sure they had time to understand what the ingredients were or the theme or something like that. Because building a menu is very difficult. Like, I, I mean, I've never had to do it, but I just know how hard it is, you know, like people and then some people just change the menu daily and shit like I, that's crazy. Like a place in Italy where they have access to so much good produce and seafood and all that stuff. But um, I, I, I thought it was really cool because it just shows you the resourcefulness of people that have this experience, that have the skill and, and knowledge to be able to make something ultimately like that can be not just tasty, but judged on that. You know what I mean? So, yep. uh, yeah, I love that shit. For sure. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. Well, speaking of food, it is lunchtime around yeah. here. So, uh, and I can smell my wife made kimchi fried rice again. So, oh shit. Oh shit. I'm about to go after that. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> but anyway, th- I mean, this was a real fun conversation. I, I really enjoyed drawing parallels between, uh, you know, various life experiences. So connecting the, the process of learning how to effectively cook and becoming a professional chef and connecting that to starting a new skill like jujitsu and, and learning first the fundamentals and then the, the, the process in which it becomes instinct. I mean, it's just, it just goes to show you that like that process itself is translatable to so many other things too. Like any new skill that you want to learn, you know, never rule it out because everyone's got to start somewhere it's yeah. always it's got to be day one somewhere for somebody yeah, that's so true and it's like so one of the things i want people to that are listening to just focus on is that um uh, like think about the little touch points that we had that to me was a banger when it comes to my personal growth which is goals change you know how you feel is based on your expectation nothing's black and white like the words that you hear from someone else understand there don't take those words to heart understand the pack what's packaged in those words and then realize what you want i think the hardest thing is people don't really realize what they want they a lot of the things that they're doing is through the momentum of something that their parents made them do or they their friends are doing and they want to be a part of that is like 
are you doing that because you want to do that? Or are you doing that because you want to be close to your friends? Like, just be honest. And whatever the answer is, it'll make you happier at the end of the day to have a goal that is true. And why is that important? Because it's sustainable. If you're doing something for someone else, you're not going to last. And so um, uh, when it comes to jujitsu, and I learned... I learned about martial arts through jiu-jitsu, but as I learned more about martial arts, I I'm not a person like f- philosophizing on what a martial artist is. I'm not that guy. But one thing that I realized over time, especially now as a full-time teacher, is that um, uh, like it's 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 complicated. And that martial arts and a martial art and a martial artist is not bound by certain rules. Like if you if you've done something hard and you learn something from it, like what what why is that not a martial art? Like, why is that, why aren't the virtues of a martial artist not on that person that went through something super difficult? You know what I mean? It's the main thing is like, if there is something to be learned through difficult times, but something to be, something to be like talked about if you did something difficult for years and years and years and years, you know, like, like cooking, like doing jujitsu, like being in the finance world or uh, being a doctor or anything like that. You're really into wine making. uh, Yeah. Wine making. That's a martial art right there. You know what I mean? There's so much art. And science, you know, anything that has those intersections is going to be, there's going to be a lot of lessons that person um, has that we can all feel excited about learning. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this is one of the things in jiu-jitsu that people say is like, uh, you can learn from a white belt. And and I believe that because the the word white belt implies that this person trains, but it's like, they don't have to train. Like, if you think about it, if you don't train at all, you're pretty much a white belt. So like, you just didn't get it yet, you know? So I try to learn from everyone and to hear your experience. Like, and this is unprovoked. The the thoughts that you said and the concepts that you said, I learned it through jujitsu too, you know? So uh, it's awesome to, to know it. What's interesting is to be going to be able to track your progress, see your progress, because while per- people are coming in, starting with zero, at least you have this other thing that these motivations, these goals, these expectations that are better in tune with getting better at jujitsu. Once, once you get really good at one thing, you'll be able to get good at other things much easier, right? So that's the general yeah. gist of it. And I believe that. That's real. I mean, I think that sort of embodies exactly what we talked about today, which is yeah. the process of mastering something directly translates into mastering other things as well. Yeah. The tragedy, the tragedy is that you might be in the process of mastering something, but you don't realize it. That's the tragedy. So guys, like if you guys are asking yourself, like I do jitsu and I didn't learn any of these lessons or I'm not doing jitsu and I didn't learn any of these lessons. It's not, it's half the battle is being in the right position. So do jitsu, do something difficult. But the other half is realizing that you can, you can learn lessons that you can articulate these ideas because you're looking for these lessons. It just doesn't happen to you. You're actually looking for it. And when it does happen, you can identify that, that, that event just occurred and then you can start to learn from it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the main thing. Yeah. I mean, anyone can really sort of think about to your point, like what's instinct for you? What do you consider instinct that you don't even think about with an active mind anymore, but you do it daily or you do it weekly or whatever. Think back to when you didn't do that. And what's the process that you took to get to the point now that mm-hmm. it's not, you're not even thinking about it. You're just doing yeah. it. That's real. Anyway, yep, that's good it conversation, man. <laughs> Until uh, our next episode with uh, yep. with Mr. Etzel. We'll, yeah, uh, I gotta hit him up. Yeah, we'll be back to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks awesome. for listening. And-
Yeah, thank you for listening. If you guys have questions or want to reach out, we have a we have Instagram, Facebook is from the Dojo Podcast. You know, so DM me. If you're gonna hit that, you're gonna DM me. So any questions, topics, give us props, feedback, whatever. Like, let us know, and so we can do more of this for you guys. I I hope this helps. I the main thing is when I was first starting out, this is not the way I thought. So I'm hoping that you know, with our experience in our fields, and then realizing that there's a connection that people that are more upstream can sort of be clued in and find those connections sooner, you know? And so that means that you'll progress faster. And that's the key. Amen. Yeah. From the Dojo Podcast. Yeah. Signing out. Let's go.